0: To all the girls I've loved before
1: Who traveled in and out my door. Once again, this is I don't, 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 don't get it, the pop culture get off my lawn cast featuring the open-minded musings of two, two mid-40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment doom. I'm, I'm don't your co-host. Bill Scurry, the founder and proprietor of something called American Caesar Enterprises. And I am joined this week and every week by... I am Noah
0: Tarno, the founder and senior quiz master of the big quiz thing. The trivia game show Spectacular. I know exactly what that is, Bill. You might no longer have a clear idea of your business entity. I'm living the life out here in San Francisco, my friend, working hard, it, making trivia dreams happen.
1: Noah, speaking of uh, risk-averse algorithmic businesses yes. that we both run, yeah. uh, our yeah. topic this week is a bit of a humdinger. Yes. I have to admit that. So we're dealing with a two movies so far that is in a troika of three expected films, Yes. Uh, all yes. told. It is a Netflix yes. movie, an original Netflix movie called To All the Boys I've Loved Before.
0: Yes. I I, I tell you, it started as a Hal David, Albert Hammond song <laughs> uh, that Julio Iglesias and Willie Nelson had a hit with in 1984. Uh, they were originally going to record it as To All the Girls I'd Loved Before, and then both of them simultaneously had an epiphany. They came out of the closet. Julio and Willie weren't a couple themselves, but they were friends, so they rewrote the song To All the Boys I've Loved Before from the the, the Hammond-David version. That's what led to gay marriage being Legalized nationwide by 1986.
1: I don't think any of that's true, but I no. I, it's an
0: alternate. It's an alternate United States.
1: I have no alternate choice. but it's Earth Two. Concede the benefit of the doubt. So I, I'm. Yeah. I'm curious. Had you heard about this before I brought it up? I
0: hadn't heard about it at all, and you actually so.
1: You know, we look at stuff
0: kids are into, and Bill suggested this to me. He texted me. And you you actually made a mistake at first. You said, have you heard of this Netflix thing (laughs) to all the girls I've loved before? And I'm like, what? And I Googled it, and I just saw the the song, the Julio and Willie song. And I'm like, you want us to do an episode about a country hit from 1984? I figured out you got the – and then I was confused – because it said, "Oh, it's a 2018 Netflix movie," but I guess it's timely because the sequel just came out last week. Yeah, it to was... all the and it it's called "To All the Boys." P.S. I still love you. Yes. So they they've shortened. It's not. It's no longer. I've loved before. It's just to all the. Or is it to all the boys I've loved?
1: Is it to all the patties? I don't even know. That's a good question. (laughs) I didn't bother separating it. I just watched the fucking thing. So to
0: all the boys. P.S. I still love you. Okay. To all the.
1: And the original was to all the boys I've loved before. So for those of you who don't know what this is, and my guess is because you're not a thirteen-year-old girl, you probably don't know what this is. Um, it's a series of made-for-Netflix original features starring. Two actors who I was largely unfamiliar with, a woman named Lana Condor and a young man named Noah Centineo, uh, among others for sure. Uh, John Corbett, uh, late of Northern Exposures in it as well. I
0: just remember a Northern Exposure also always being jealous of him. Because this character just got laid every episode with some hot new girl. And, and like f- it's a town of like 50 people. And somehow they'd find some new sexy woman in this tiny town every episode for this character to sleep with. And I, I did, remember I being did. like a 13-year-old boy and being jealous of John Corbett.
1: Right? Yeah, not, not a great actor. But nonetheless, uh, this movie slash movies uh, is a rom-com, I guess you would call it, in an age without very many of those, it, it would seem as it is adapted from a, a troika of novels, actually, by an author named Jenny Han. Uh, she wrote them a couple of years back and she's been involved in the production of these things. This thing has been championed by many for, for seemingly innovative concept of, it is that an Asian American woman is in the driver's seat for these things, it's, it's her story. In the story, she is a, of, of a Korean mother and a, a Anglo father. It's easy for me to say that this still seems ridiculous that we're talking about it, but it is true: is that it's slim to see this sort of Asian representation outside of the goodbye. Uh, is that what it was? the The, the Aquafina movie, which is actually pretty good, and right. Crazy Rich Asians. Um, that this this sort of thing doesn't happen all the time. No matter how many Asian American Asian actors are in our TV shows and movies, they tend not to be leads. So this is sort of breaking uh, uh, a little bit of ice.
0: Isn't there that sitcom about um, Fresh Off the Boat?
1: Yes, that's still going as far as I, I mean, know. There's,
0: I'm sure if we thought there'd be like a dozen other examples out there, but you're right. It's still less. And I actually read that Netflix, when they were adapting the book, Netflix actually proposed changing the character to a white girl. Oh, Jesus. Because oh, wow. part of what's innovative here, which is not the case with Crazy Rich Asians or with Fresh Off the Boat, as far as I can tell, is that her being Asian, the character I guess is Korean. Mm. Her mother is dead, but her mother was Korean. It's incidental to the plot. Like you could, you could tell the story almost exactly the same with a white girl. Yeah. And yes, they they make mentions of it of cooking a, a Korean food. And there's a scene in the second movie where she goes and visits her Korean grandparents. So she puts on, she and her sister put on a co- Korean dresses. It is not vital to the story. Yeah, it's so why not do it? You know, she's Asian. like that's why exactly it's a good it. reason
1: to do it. Wow.
0: But, but so, Netflix, they're terrified of scaring away one white racist, so they're like, I'm not sure we should do
1: this. Well, Netflix also put out a series called "Be My Everything," which was the what is it? Um, Ali Wong and Randall Park. So they have been dipping their toes into doing. Yeah, Asian, I guess, guess. Asian led. It's, it's. Okay. I mean. I wouldn't exactly call it a wave, but it's certainly something, you know. There is a popularity to it. This thing has, since 2018, when the first movie came out, um, it's been a big deal. I think for old-fashioned reasons, not just representation, I think having a rom-com teenage high school thing thrown at that audience with this wrinkle has been extremely appealing and it's been a big win for for netflix but again so siloed that neither me and noah really knew about it which is why we're only talking about it now so netflix you know with their own suspect tabulation they they said 80 million subscribers watch this which is huge that's that's enormous that's a lot of subscribers and god knows what their their metrics are to get that but i assume it's Pretty much pretty close to that. And on Instagram, if you want to talk about a straw poll, Lana Condor's follower count jumped from, well, she only had 100,000 people, which, you know, me and Noah scoff at. That's such a, a puny nothing, little number. Nothing, nothing. nothing forget nothing. about it, yeah. So she, she has 5.5 5 million.
0: Yeah, I believe Noah Centineo, Centinio, Centonian, Centonian, whatever. <laughs> uh, I believe he had a similar massive jump once. Yeah, well, his, uh, his, his jumped his, up from 800,000. To 13.4 yeah.
1: million. I mean, he outpaced something because all that's those, something. you know, the thirst. That's why all these kids, man. You know
0: what they're excited about? Do you know who Noah Centineo is apparently going to play in a movie coming up?
1: Yeah, I do Noah, Please tell the audience.
0: Fabulous secret powers were revealed to him the day he <laughs> held off his magic sword and said, by the power of Grayskull. Dude, he's got to work out if he wants to look like He-Man. Yeah, he's you really got to hit the gym. He's going to go in the Chris a Hemsworth guy. They can blast CGI. those guys. Quickly, It'll all be you know? CGI. He can make me into He-Man with it oh, with the by the way, computers can do now.
1: He's he's not playing He-Man, he's playing Orko. I don't know if you heard that.
0: <laughs> Dude, I want to know who's playing Skeletor. Like uh, if they're going to yeah. make a if they're going to make a He-Man movie, I am far more interested in who's playing Skeletor than who's playing He-Man?
1: Yeah, it'd be awesome if it was like Sam Rockwell or something like that. I would, I would love that. That would be you know? pretty cool,
0: dude. Just dig up Frank Langella, have him play it again. He's still I mean, alive. He
1: Skeletor, give him a break. I thought
0: Frank Langella would just died like last year or something.
1: No, he's still alive.
0: All right, well, keep talking because I gotta okay. settle this. I'm pretty, pretty anyway, sure Frank Langella's dead.
1: I want to get to discussing this, but I think Frank that Langella's
0: we... still alive.
1: I stand corrected. We he's should... 82. I'm describe, sorry Frank Langella okay. we should describe the plot very quickly and then get into a discussion about it because the I, I think everybody wants to know what this thing is about but it's it's also it's not a simple through line because it gets a little baroque so what happens is there's this girl played by Lana Condor who apparently pines from a distance but does not make any act- active moves on her own behalf in her high school vis-a-vis her love life so what she does her technique is that she writes these love letters addresses them and puts them in a little shoebox and hides the shoebox it almost becomes a totem of her pining desire, her romance. Her little sister is sort of tired of hearing her gripe and gripe and gripe about being a spectator, and so she secretly mails the letters to her crushes, the five crushes. So the thing is, she has this movie-esque cinematic reveal where the boys approach her one by one asking, hey, are you really into me? For the most part, she's not, and she feels terribly embarrassed. But the movie, at this point, one of the guys says, hey... How about me and you play like we're in a fake relationship on a – well, we came up with a contract because he wants to – this is the cool kid, this sort of captain lacrosse team played by Centineo. He wants to make his ex-girlfriend jealous. And so they start a fake relationship, you know, knowing that, okay, we're just doing this as a a posture. And, of course, they wind up falling in love with each other. And he he gives
0: her the money he was going to spend on a telescope. Mm -hmm. because she needs the money to replace her mother's leather outfit that she borrowed without permission and spilled wine all over. Wait, what is that from? It's Can't Buy Me Love from 1988 or whatever. I kept being reminded of that. I will tell you, this movie is far superior to that. Okay. Anyone who glorifies 80s movies, you got to remember stuff like Can't Buy Me Love, which is plenty entertaining if you're 15 or 16 or however old I was when I saw it, but – this movie's better for reasons I'll get into. So tell me about it, Noah. Well, one other thing you don't mention is that she reads romance novels. Yeah. So and then the sequel, what happens in the sequel? Oh, one of the one of the other boys she sent a letter to like shows up again, and she's basically she's now dating Noah Centineo, Peter, and but she's torn between him and the other boy, John Ambrose. John Ambrose, Uh, What's his last name? Something. But his first name is John Ambrose, which I Mm. find confusing. Yeah. And then, oh, the second one has Holland Taylor in it. Awesome character actress, Holland Taylor, who, by the way, on top of being an awesome actress, is the partner of one of my number one actress crushes. Yeah, Sarah Sarah Paulson, Paulson, sure. So lucky Holland Taylor. Uh, I liked the first movie. I thought it was very charming. Uh, Obviously, these movies are not made for me not made for us, but I thought it was entertaining. I thought there were good performances. I thought the two leads actually have very, very good chemistry. They're both very charming young people and they work very well together. So I really appreciated that. The characters are plenty likable. Peter, Noah Centineo's character, you know, at first, oh, he's the jock kind of dumb guy, but he seems earnest, but flawed, but nice. Uh, the plot had some twists that I didn't see coming that I did appreciate, and I found this movie, as far as I can tell, my limited knowledge of—I don't have that limited knowledge of teenagers now because I was a teenager not that long ago, and some things are eternal. I know you were never a real teenager. We discussed that. That's before. true, yes. You know, it seemed very real. That seemed there was a lot of honest talk. They didn't shy away from—you know, she's nervous about losing her virginity, uh, so they don't shy away from sex topics. There's the there's the thing where she's at the party, and the girl's are like, how far have you gone? You know, was it H on P? Was it H up and down on P? And then there's a quote. I actually wrote this down. I really like this. She talks about why she writes the letters. And she says, I write a letter when I have a crush so intense that I don't know what else to do. Rereading my letters reminds me of how powerful my emotions can be, how all-consuming. And Margot, Margot's her older sister, Margot would say I'm being dramatic, but I think drama can be fun, just as long as nobody else knows about it. I mean, I really think that encapsulates so much of the teen- romantic experience and granted to to boysplain a little more the female heterosexual teen experience right Mm -hmm. that you have these feelings you don't know what to do about them you're afraid to let them show there's a great scene where she where lana lara jean it's confusing because the character's lara jean but the actress is lana i didn't like right yeah where lara jean and peter are out having coffee or whatever you know on one of their quote-unquote fake dates and she says how love is scary, and he's like, "Well, why is love scary?" And she she doesn't really know how to articulate it. So this felt very honest and very real to me, and I appreciated it. I thought it was it was I thought it was good, entertaining rom com, mm-hmm. and it felt like it was you know relatively bullshit free. As for the sequel, and eh, not so much. I mean, you said to me uh, this was so unnecessary. It's not unnecessary. You know, every movie is unnecessary. It's necessary because. The first book made a lot of money, so they made a second book. And the first movie made a lot of money, so they made a second movie. I mean, it's necessary because studios are in the business of making money and people wanted to watch it, so that's what made it necessary. It wasn't offensive, but I, I started finding Lara Jean to be not as sympathetic in the second movie. She's torn between these two boys, and I just kind of went, yeah, well, you know, that's the way. Oh, what do I do? I have a boyfriend, but I like another boy. Yeah, well, you don't know, get everything you want. Relationships Mm -hmm. are about compromises. Relationships are about sacrifice, you know, deciding on one thing at the expense of something else. I thought the second movie had diminishing returns. Yeah, you know, I mean, the movie's not perfect. Uh, The the product sponsorship, they keep eating Subway sandwiches. And that's it. Hey, how is your Subway brand submarine sandwich? (laughs) I mean, I'm exaggerating, but seemed a a little transparent. And then, of course... You know, it felt like there were some good messages here. Dad seems like a decent guy. He's a good parent, this sympathetic single dad. And then, you know, there's a moment where she feels betrayed by Peter and she says to her sister, I mean, this is great. She's like, she feels betrayed, not by Peter. I'm sorry, by Peter's ex-girlfriend's involved in it. You know, the one he's trying to make jealous. And she feels betrayed that the ex-girlfriend did something nasty to Lara Jean. And Lara Jean says to her sister, like, it would be bad enough if a boy did this, but a girl doing it is really a betrayal. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah. Fuck yeah. Like that's that's some real talk as far as I could tell. Uh, <laughs> there's the moment where she tells Peter like you got to watch 16 Candles. That's the funniest movie. And I'm sitting there going really like Korean girl thinks 16 Candles is a funny movie because I thought 16 Candles was funny when I was when I was a kid. But now of course we all know the problem with it. And they're watching it and there's Gede Watanabe being the racist character. And Peter says to her, Peter is a white kid going I don't get it. Why do you like this movie? Isn't that character a little racist? And she says, oh, he's incredibly racist. Yeah. And Peter goes, so why do you like this movie? The little sister says, because Jake Ryan is so cute. You might have principles, but especially if you're a teenager, you're going to violate those principles because a boy is cute. I really appreciated this movie. I thought it was good, solid entertainment, and it made me feel like – you know, this is this is this is good shit for teens.
1: When you texted me that you did have this, like that was your your initial reaction. I was actually legit surprised. I did not expect that. Really? I thought?
0: No, I I I mean, whatever. I'm not gonna watch it again. And it's not like a great film, but like I'm like that was charming and entertaining. It's a movie. Yeah. What's wrong
1: with that? You know? Well, I hadn't seen it yet, and I just I just said, hey, we gotta watch this. And you started seeing it. You you started watching it before I did. And it's it's not. I I thought, oh boy, I'm I'm really not gonna like this. And it's like, boy, I think no it's really not going to like this and so well there's something about it that i know you didn't like that doesn't
0: bother me as much but i know you have a hang-up about one thing about this movie and i'm sure you'll get to it go
1: ahead uh yeah but but um yeah the funny thing is is that i watched it and then i did like it i could say exactly what you said because i think that you're pretty much spot on in terms of a um assessment of the film It, it is well made the the actors are great actually i i don't I don't know if uh, Noah Centineo is, is personally the best guy but I tell you Lana Condor is really good. She is a charming, funny. Yeah. She could pretty much do all the things you want her to do and that's it's nice that they just keep finding these actors now who are surprises. That oh it's like okay there's a great crop of actors who are going to kid out movies for tomorrow who are all really young. As far as I know, she's 22, playing 16 years old. And she can do it. I mean, she's got such a cherubic face. Noah Centineo can't really play 16 because he, I think he's actually 21. But for some He looks 35, but he's playing 16. Oh, but he doesn't look 35. He's got a lot of grit on his face, the scar on I his disagree. lip. It's I disagree. Like, I think
0: he looks, nah, I think he passed for 16.
1: I don't think so. 35, Come 35, on, man. Thirty-five. He looks like it uh, looks right. like Luke Luke Perry is what he looks like. He doesn't look I, like. You him. know what?
0: I was more <laughs> not anymore.
1: I, I not, <laughs> oh, boy, Sorry. man. Poor Luke
0: Perry. I, know. Uh, I like. He was really good in River Rivers, Riverdale. Another of our topics. Yeah, he played
1: sure. Archie's dad. But um, I thought that uh, the idea that this movie kept incarnating John Hughes made me think: Are we ever going to invent? teen-based entertainment that is not in some way continually borrowing from movies that were made 35 years ago. But
0: this is making me realize that it's better. I mean, I hate to oh, say sure. it, it's better than no, John it, Hughes. It's it's more real. It's deeper than John Hughes. I know,
1: but it's not that. It's just, it's tonally, I'm saying, tonally, this stuff is following John you know, Hughes to a T. It, it serves the same purpose, yes. You know, I haven't watched John Hughes movies in a while, but I fondly remember them. And, you know, he I think he was a lampoon guy who— became almost like a real soothsayer for, for the voices of children, younger people. Uh, and he almost invented single-handedly his form of high school, teenage comedy drama. Much to the point is, is that we have no more—there's no newer mold. I mean, I, I would say the closest it gets to me is eighth grade. Bo Burnham's movie is kind of a new thing. That I don't think we've seen before. But when I watched Smart, I thought, okay, Booksmart— just like Superbad, not that they're the same kind of movie, but in a sense, they are living in that John Hughes world. Totally, they do the same thing, even if, you know, formatically they do uh, different things. I don't know. This movie wears its influences on its sleeve as if to say, oh, right, here's Long Duck Dong, right? They're, like you said, Gere Watanabe's on the TV. And they're, they're putting it there, and they're, they're having their cake, and they're eating it, too, in terms of—
0: Yes, they are. They really are. But that's what teenagers do. I feel like a teenager, or anyone does. You could go, yeah, it's really fucking racist, but I'm still gonna laugh at it because I'm I'm imperfect, right? Oh okay, How about the um, be-
1: the beginning of the second movie? The very first scene is Lana Condor dancing in her room and doing a Elizabeth Shoe homage at the yes. to the beginning of Adventures in Babysitting to that song, yeah, one of the, the girl yes. group songs. Uh, and then
0: uh, uh, then he kissed me. By then my, he kissed me. Sh- Shit, the crystals, the Sherrells, I can't remember. So
1: then the music cuts out and her sister is sitting there saying, She goes adventures in babysitting, really? As if you're having it both ways. You're doing the thing on screen where you get to you get to homage a movie that your audience has not seen, nor will they watch. Right. And then uh, you get to click I don't know about you- that. No, I totally I mean they also
0: the first movie they also referenced Fight Club. My nephews have seen Fight Club.
1: Yeah, you know, but I mean, the girls—the girls, the girls not, who are watching this—are not watching. But Club. it's
0: Peter who likes Fight Club. Boys watch Fight Club. Girls do. I mean, not all of them. Not as many as us do. But I mean, I, I bet you a ton of them
1: watch Breakfast Club. Ton- uh, I mean, Breakfast I, Club I, is is a fucking I, standard now. I, it, what does it mean? Why am I complaining about it? I don't know. I mean, it makes me feel like it's a little bit of a lazy choice because you have all these pieces on the board, and I think that they could have as good as this is you almost were ready to create a new type of teen comedy, a new type of romantic teen comedy. You know, and let's be honest, Noah Centineo may be a co-lead, but he is the object of affection. He's the object of romance. You know, he he has his own through line and all that stuff. It's not, he's not a character, but it's really her story. Yeah, that's another bit of counter-programming, which is all good. So, you know, whatever Noah Centineo says, and like I said, the fact that his Instagram account went to $13.4 million, it's because of the thirst of the audience, right? He's the object. So, you know, the women could objectify him. And that's fairly easy because he's in that role. And it's fair. You can do that. I think he's playing into that, too. I just felt like it's going through a lot of the numbers and a lot of the beats of, of movies that I've seen before. Actually, I thought to myself, when are movies going to imitate 90s teen high school comedies? And then it occurred to me, Oh, well, they are because the 90s teen comedies imitated John Hughes. And so there was <laughs> yes, there was not yes, a new mold in it. There's only been the John Hughes model from those yeah. movies. And those have been syndicated on and on for the last few decades. So, but we talk about this all the time, how pop culture is folding in on itself.
0: I wasn't going to send the letter or anything. It was just for me to understand how I was feeling. But really... I guess it was mainly about how sometimes I imagined what it would have been like if I'd realized how I felt about him sooner. Why are we in the midst of "To All the Boys I Loved Before" mania? Why has this caught on? <laughs> why is it popular? Uh, why do people like it? You know what is what is the phenomenon about? It, I don't think it's that much mania, man. I, I Google it and I don't see that much, but whatever. It was uh, it's worth talking
1: about. By the way, can we call it "To All To All the Boys I've Loved Before"? Iana, would that be? A uh, proper term to describe all the culture around the movie.
0: The suffix IANA? Yeah. To what would the acronym be? To all the
1: tat bilb. (laughs) Tat bilbia. I think it's pretty simple to me. It seems why it's popular. Netflix being the home of, as I said at the top of the episode, algorithmic risk-averse content. They know that there's a vacancy in this space, right? Netflix is not only are making the uh, uh, Irishman and movies like that, but they're also sweeping in and stealing the mid-range film, the two quadrant film, if you will, not the four quadrants, but the two quadrants, the kind of things that the studios just completely abandoned to make Avengers and um, Fast and Furious movies. And so this is a romance in a desert, a gulf of romances, and it's also a teen comedy, which they don't make a ton of those. You know, you get one book smart, you get one of those movies and it has to it has to play, it has to it has to go by. But you're not you used to get pelted with a few every summer. That's what the 80s actually were. Now there's no selection. So I think that Netflix is filling the zone with this this content. They know it's going to sell. That's Netflix only makes something because they know it's going to work. It's the romance, the age of romance and also they took the initiative of making sure that the asian representation stuck from the translation from page to screen and i think that also makes it much like the uh, 13 reasons you know again that was as as daring as that might have been doing all story about suicide it was algorithmic that's why they made it and it was it was a gigantic success and the thing is those high school students In that that was a, I think in vallejo it was set and this is set in portland even though it's shot in vancouver like anything else the student body is increasingly multi-glot you know it's no one knows what that looks like you couldn't possibly go to a school that has all those ethnicities reflected all at the same time but sure, I, you uh, sure you could Sure, could. well not in new york you couldn't you know those the those... high school i
0: went to for one year in new jersey before i moved mm-hmm. was that polyglot the, the the main difference was there were more black people than in that school my high school in new jersey was about a third black was a ton of Jewish kids. I mean, mm-hmm. we the school was closed both days of Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. Had a good contingent of Latinos and Asians. I mean, they're out there. I, I think can believe bit, there's I one in the suburbs
1: of Portland. My Why friend, I, th- I think that's a rare exception because schools are totally segregated. They are completely segregated. I like this picture. I want this picture. I'm just saying it's not—we don't live there yet, but I want to live there. This is what I wish schools would be like. I think it makes for good viewing. It's the kind of thing you want to see Netflix do. So the popularity to me you know in a nutshell, comes down to the fact that it is serving a starving audience, something that they're not getting on the reg. I agree with all those things. I, I just think the
0: reason it's popular I mean this is a good example of something being popular because it, it gets it right mm-hmm. because it's good. yeah um, like I said, like I think this really it rings true to me about how teenagers actually feel and the fact that it delivers it, you know the leads are charming, they have that chemistry. I think that really goes a long way. So I can imagine being—I mean, I can imagine being a teen boy and really relating to Lara Jean. But I can imagine being a teen girl and really relating to her. And in a sense, really relating to Peter. I do, because he's a dream boy, but he's flawed, so he feels real to me. By the way, we didn't hint at—the plot was a little convoluted. There's a lot of things going on that we're yeah, not even mentioning. It's like a little, it's a like little At the beginning of the movie, her, her older sister's going off to college. So at the beginning of the movie, her older sister breaks up with her boyfriend, and her boyfriend— is uh, actually a boy that Lara Jean has a crush on, and I th- he's one of the letter recipients. And I kept getting that actor messed up with Noah Centineo. I kept I could they were the same type of guy. Yeah. So like throughout the plot, while she's like fretting whatever, and like Josh, the other boy, appears as like. You know, like a like an image to her, talking to her, even though he's not there. Yeah, it's a little broke. It's a little convoluted. It feels real and it gets at something in a very honest way. So, you know, and look, teenagers are teenagers. They need this shit. They need to make sense of what's going on in their minds and in their bodies. And if you could do it in a nice little fun, kicky, entertaining package uh, that really speaks to them, then why wouldn't it be popular? And yes, via Netflix. So, you know, by law, it's shoved into our eyeballs yeah what what if you know we let people think that we were actually together just for a little while and and not just sanderson i mean everybody (laughs) why would you want that
1: um well for starters when jen heard that you kissed me she went nuts noah would you have liked this as a kid watching
0: it well if i were a girl i certainly would have Again, every time we, like, if I were a girl, like, who the fuck knows? Yeah, I think I might have. I wouldn't have gone out of my way to watch it just because, like, oh, it's a girl thing. I'm going to stay away from that. But if it, yeah, I could I, you know what? I can imagine the scenario, like, I'm over at a friend's place, boys and girls together, and the girls want to watch it, and we're like, sure, why not? I can imagine really being charmed by and it, thinking it was cool and thinking Noah Centineo is, you know, he's cool, and I want to be like him or whatever. I like it now, even though I'm several steps away from the target audience. So I can only imagine if I were the target audience or, you know, several steps closer, I'd probably like it even more.
1: How yeah. about you? You know, bringing up the John Hughes thing, that is a clear blueprint for how I would eat this media for sure. Because eat this
0: media, that's a nice...
1: I movement. was watching John Hughes movies. I'm trying to think. We were probably 12, 11, 12, 13 when they started coming out. And, you know, the Molly Ringwalds as your protagonist in 16 Candles is three or four years older than us. And it seemed like her issues, they were so dramatic and there were so many different players and it was, you know, essentially the stuff of a great movie uh, was at the center of her birthday and her crush and all the people who were involved with it and the misadventure she gets into. And even something like Breakfast Club, which is a little more straighter, it's not necessarily hijinks with, with a you know, an Asian character. It's just the dysfunction of people... Stripping their skins off and, and revealing who they are To each other And having a you know the bonding session That says oh, We're all misfits in, in the end I thought that stuff Was all aspirational I keep using that In, in our podcast Of saying As a young kid Watching the things That a few, just a few years older As was being portrayed In movies Was aspirational Like I'm getting ready For the yeah. day That I'm going to enter That uh, jet stream If you, you take me of today You subtract all those years And the cynicism I would look <laughs> at the romance And say You know This is definitely It's from Laura Jean's point of view And even though Well I'm not the one that's going to send the letters. What I would do is put myself in Noah Centineo's place or one of the boys' place and say, but I want that to happen to me. I want to play that game. So I would have been very intrigued by the sense of romance. Even if I'm, I'm not reading the romance as it's intended by the female author and the female director and maybe the female viewers as translated by the female actor, I would still be in the game. I would, I would want to know that, oh man, this is so wild. Imagine being at the center of, of this soap opera kind of thing. John Hughes sold it for a 16-year-old, but at the same time, there was so much there for like a 12-year-old to eat because it was aspirational. That's the kind of thing. I'm not even sure he knew he was doing that, but it wound up being a great feature to his work at the same time. I think that's kind of like a hidden genius.
0: Yeah, but that's most teen, you know, entertainment, like stuff about... 17-year-olds is for 12-year-olds or
1: 13-year-olds, right? Well, what, what about like the let's go back to the 70s. You know, it's funny because we're talking about the 80s, 90s, 2000s. What about going back to the 70s? And teen movies were something like The Bad News Bears – you know, it was yeah. caddy caddyshack was kind of a teen movie if you think about it, because Bob what is it? Uh, Danny Danny Noonan was a caddy, you know, he was trying to make enough money to go to college. So it's like those weren't really aspirational. Those were completely different tones. I mean, frequently they were they were prurient, they were inappropriate, they were filthy. Those kids weren't kids you wanted to hang out with. Those kids were like right. the Porkies. Yeah, was so almost, a teen movie, yeah. Right, right. It was like snobs and slobs. And so kids, yeah. either you were part of the slob generation or you're part of the snobs. And it, like there was a carefully divided line. But that that stuff was different. Like the John Hughes invention of the teenager or reinvention of the teenager was exactly designed for what you said. You're going to watch that and say, I'm, I'm going to be there at that age. I'm going to get to that. But I don't think you watched Bad News Bears and thought, boy, someday... I'm gonna have a, a spiteful coach in Walter Matthau, who's somehow gonna help us, uh, you know, get near or close to winning the big game.
0: Well, With, I think there was a sense of I'm a misfit, and someday I'll have my revenge on all the people. The 70s, yeah, a that's misfit. what the '70s yeah. was trying to
1: teach you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, it's the hot nerd gets the girl kind of thing.
1: That's not at all what the 80s did for us in teen movies, which gave you a much more suburban, you know, middle class to upper middle class picture of what you growing up might be like. That kind right. of shit wasn't, wasn't there in the 70s at all.
0: By the way, you you haven't said it yet. The, the thing I know you hate about this movie, you said this about uh, Raina Telgemeier, Smile, mm-hmm. and yes. I knew you'd say this about this, that. That there's no poor person anywhere. Everyone is living this comfortable, secure, middle-class life. So do your rant, and then I'm going to clap back at
1: that. Everyone's parent in this is a gynecologist or a dentist or a lawyer or or something like that. Or
0: dead or ran off. Let's not forget (laughs) that there is a subplot that Lara Jean's mother is dead and Peter's dad left the family for another family. But there's—it's not, not all that, sunshine and
1: roses. No, it's true. But the thing is, one thing this this does not engage at all is class. I mean, yes, of course, rich people run right. around on each other. <laughs> yes, but it's like yeah. at no point is any of these families anything less than upper middle class. And but it's a I romantic
0: think- comedy. Does it have to engage every? It also doesn't engage the environmental crisis. I mean, what do you want I, from entertainment? You want it to deal with every serious
1: issue all the time? Well, here's the thing. You're not engaging the environmental crisis in this because it's not its not part of the text that you're ignoring. What these kids are doing is you're she, they're seeing their, these kids are in multi-million dollar houses. And it's like you're just showing, oh, this is what all these people in TV look like. It's not even a thought. No one ever says, boy, it's a good thing my dad's a successful gynecologist in Portland. I do expect there to see if, if you're making such a point of showing us race and gender and you're breaking down all these other lines that like you said, ultimately at its heart, this is just a movie about characters. It doesn't matter that her best friend is queer. It doesn't matter that she's Asian. I mean, those things are inside the telling of the story, but that doesn't change the story itself. So why why not class? So anyway, clap back at me. Go ahead. My point I want to be, it's a romantic comedy. You don't have to engage
0: every serious issue. You know, you do bring up a point that if everyone were white, people would say like, oh, why does it have to deal with race? Well, if everyone is white, it is dealing with race. And I guess you could say by the same token, if everyone's upper middle class, it is dealing with class. Hmm. It's just erasing Yes, Certain classes. yes. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm doubting myself. I just feel like it's aspirational. There's nothing inherently better about everyone being white. In fact, I would say the opposite. But there is something inherently, quote, better about everyone being comfortable. Since it's in some ways a fantasy and entertainment and aspirational, why not tell a story where everyone's comfortable? And deprivations are not a constant thing. I mean, it's important we have stories about that, but every story doesn't need to be about. that. All right. How about this? I, I, do, I have
1: no real problem with it. Do you know where this story would have lost me? The movie would have lost me instantly, and I'm not saying it wouldn't have got me back. But the minute that they're planning their ski trip to this, yeah. Well, that lodge, yeah. Okay. All right. Yes. That's, that, at that yes, point, that it becomes, did. That didn't seem a little
0: unquestionably privileged that to is, me. Is, that is conspicuous consumption. Yeah. That is class yeah, yeah, that that is that's something.
1: completely tin. That's that's tinier yeah. about the sort of. Thing. There's
0: no there's no question of do I go to the ski trip because it's a shit ton of money will Dad pay for that yes. shit? No. that's never even a consideration. All right, that's
1: that's fair. But, it, but it, it, it's, yeah, it's just it's presenting this world where everyone has the ability to go to a luxe ski resort. What kid is not growing up some, in some kind of penury right now? What percentage of people are not in penury in America? Because yeah. I'd really like or to at
0: know. the very least that mom and dad have to, you know, decide if it's worth it or you got to thank mom and dad for paying for that, you yeah. know? Like it just it's it's assumed that everyone can do it no question money isn't an object. So I, didn't, right. go in, I, mean, I didn't
1: go on a senior trip because we didn't have money for it. I couldn't go to DC. Yeah. We didn't have that kind of money hanging around. It was ridiculous, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, you bring up good points. I just still think that it's aspirational. It's dreamy, you know. The boyfriend's cute. So part of that is going to be the resources are there, you know, kids Kids are secure. I mean, that's what every kid dreams of. That's and I feel like that's what every adult would hope for every child. I guess I should tell you a little bit about Josh. He and Margot have been together for the past two years. But before Margot even cared that he existed, he was my first boyfriend. Is uh, the rise of tots the rise? God, I I I should have written this down to all. The boys I've loved. Tat Bilbia is the rise of Tat Bilbia. Is that in any way a sign of the apocalypse?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. Contrary to even what I was just saying, that winds up being a tin ear type thing where it would put me off for a little while, of saying, "Oh, you know, as a kid watching it, and assuming that it was a different class structure, it would have it would have bothered me." But I think that there's enough competently that this movie does. And the characters are charming and again the leads, like I think like you said, they maybe in, in many ways these are better leads than the average per capita actors that would be hired to do those Chicago John Hughes movies. Not to say that, you know, the leads, Cryer, Ringwald, etc., Anthony Michael Hall weren't great actors, but I think this has a deeper bench of players. Makes a better movie, I think, all time. Great
0: actors. Anthony Michael Hall, such a good actor. Oh, he was a fantastic actor. Multiple Oscars. He was
1: great. Did you
0: see Johnny Be Good? Oh my God. How many? He won an Olivier Award for that,
1: right? I'm surprised. This is the thing that we both walked away from, at least the first one. I I didn't volunteer, so the second one I thought was terrible. I I don't think it was was that bad. I thought it was harmless.
0: If you're kid loved I gave the first one. I have no, no problem I, with letting I, him watch the second I one. I
1: was watching the second one as a two-screen experience where I was I was skimming on Twitter at the same time as I was watching it yeah, because that, it was so That's boring. really the
0: way to engage with a movie, Bill. That's really how
1: you get the it most was, out of it. It was directed by a different guy. It was directed by the yes. director of photography. The, the cinematographer, the yeah, yeah. But I, I it just I don't think it was nearly as interesting, and I don't think it was nearly as well done. But whatever, stick to the first movie. Honestly, it doesn't have sequels coming out of it that. It naturally demands And by the way,
0: did we say part three is on its way? Right? Like yeah, they, they,
1: they shot it last summer or something like yeah. that. They're cutting Art it together as, as, as we here. speak. Yeah. Good, anyway, because we'll, otherwise they'd
0: be filming it when the leads are 40 and they'd still be playing 17-year-olds. So it would be stupid 40. as
1: hell. Anyway, so do you, do you think it's apocalyptic at all? or No, I, I
0: don't see how. In fact, it makes me feel better that kids are still thoughtful and despite the fact that everyone's face is glued to their phone 24 hours a day, that they still reckon with their emotions in an intelligent, thought-provoking way so it's it's anti-apocalyptic i think i'm tired of being second best or fake best i no, don't no, know No, no, you do not get it okay last night was last night was a mistake i mean physical stuff might not be a big deal to you but to me it is
1: who says that it's not a big deal to me it
0: says every single guy in the bus
1: tell me about jealousy is there a tinge of envy to any of these proceedings that this movie generates inside of you yeah sure because i'm closer to death than these
0: people I'm not a teenager anymore. (laughs) And when I was a teenager, I struggled mightily with my emotions and wasn't able to deal with them because, you know, except for the most part during my teenage years, girls didn't want to date me. I mean, part of what bothered me about the second film was this idea that, like, she's in crisis because I'm committed to one boy but I like another boy. Like, boo fucking who? Like, you don't get everything you want. And that they frame this as, like, she is really beleaguered because, like, she has a crush that she can't fulfill. Big fucking deal. At least both of these guys want you. So that that definitely uh, is born out of jealousy on my part. Yeah, and again, that they were all born, you know, while I was in college. My bones are, are withering to dust as, as they enter the prime of their lives.
1: So what you need to do is digest and sup upon Noah Centineo's marrow. Right. And- I need, need to his become Noah yours. Centineo.
0: Yes, exactly. I need to embody <laughs> to, to, him. To become tear the him. flesh. To wear the flesh. wear the flesh. <laughs> to, be born, uh, to be born unto <laughs> new worlds where his flesh becomes my key.
1: I think that uh, if I'm jealous of anything, I'm je- I actually am. Centineo seems like, talk about being in a catbird seat. I'm not sure he's a great actor. Am I going to see him in the Irishman too? The Frenchman? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if, if he's going to. A Spaniard. Graduate, I could imagine being envious of him in the spot he's in right now, where he pretty much gets his choice of hell. I mean, I was envious of Pete fucking Davidson for just essentially being able to just go through a catalog and pick whatever he wanted out of life. Imagine if you were more conventionally handsome and more stable than Pete Davidson, like Noah Centineo. This this guy could, you know, he could be the next. Uh, President of, uh, of Germany, if he wants. I
0: tell you though, if I were his agent or his advisor or anyone, I would tell him unload He Man now. It's oh, been yeah. withering yeah. in development hell for like 15 years. I'm surprised he and hasn't it stepped a, off it already. Really. Right. It was on the schedule to film and then it's off the schedule. And apparently he was on recently on Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. <laughs> And he said, like he expressed, like I don't know if it's still happening. And even if it happens, like I don't begrudge him for for picking up a paycheck. But like He Man, like you're gonna look like an idiot no matter what, dude. You don't need to do it's, that. It's you all like fucking He Man. Yeah. You want to play a superhero? See if you can get a part in another Marvel movie.
1: No, since you brought up Jimmy Fallon and made the noise that we all associate <laughs> with it, um, I think it's time to uh, discuss the Flonian scale. Where does two uh, boys scale. I love before Phil. On the spectrum, the, the X, X, Y, Z axis of all right. our topics, how does it fall to right.
0: you? Uh, all right. So if we're going to make like a baseline, right, like zero, like the upside down, like from Stranger Things. So if Riverdale, which we talked about, which was that teen show based on Archie, but Archie is a, is a dark, mysterious drama, where <laughs> the teacher fucking a 16-year-old male student is she's like, I might lose my job, you know, is like the worst thing about it. Uh, I feel like this is the inverse of that, both because, I mean, it's very different. It's that, Riverdale wasn't meant to be a comedy. I guess it's more drama than a comedy, but it's got a really good sense of humor. I mean, the jokes work. I appreciate that about it. The photo negative of Riverdale. This is on the high end. This is somewhere in the comfortable middle of the above average positive zone. Mm -hmm. Um, you know it might even be in the top 10% honestly I don't find a lot to criticize here and even though you hated the second movie and I didn't feel much use for the second movie I found it completely unoffensive I'm not completely I mean her character a little annoying. But again, like if I'm to put my shoe myself in the shoes of a father of a daughter and she wanted to watch it, uh, I would be very much – I have no problem with that.
1: You Quoting Riverdale is funny. I mean I guess that's the closest comparison of something we've done or at least as a baseline. Yeah, I will agree. I didn't like Riverdale. I understood what it was doing but it was totally not for me because it was very WB-ish or, or whatever. So yeah, I have this little micro scale – between I, I quoted Bo Burnham like eighth grade I think is almost like the best version of this you can do and Riverdale is the version you get more likely that's 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 the one that you are gonna see and so this is somewhere in the middle I think it's solidly in the middle of our of our stuff as well done as it was it's not the kind of thing I seek out I would not even watch this accidentally out of curiosity if we weren't doing this this show um, on the other hand you know I know that if if I'm thinking Bo Burnham in eighth grade is as good as it can get this can't even you hold a candle to that there's something so much more it was still funny and poignant and and honest and emotional these kind of things can't do i would love to see as much as we're going to keep seeing movies like this i would rather we saw more movies like eighth grade but then again only film nerds and like cineasts actually want that like we're the ones you know who were the ones that went up championing eighth grade that's the end of it are you going to watch part three when it comes out i don't think so i think i'm out of it i don't have any more Any nothing left to give So if you want to find past episodes, like for instance, our Bo Burnham episode, uh, we have our entire back catalog. Thousands upon thousands of episodes are available for you to listen to. And now on A New Home, I'm happy to announce that we are uh, now represented on Spotify, which is just a matter of logging ourselves onto Spotify. But nonetheless, if you use Spotify to listen to podcasts, You'll find I don't get it there as well. We're on our traditional homes. Apple Podcasts, we're, we're right there as we've always been. SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. I don't know anybody who uses those, but, you know, we really <laughs> can't take the chance of not putting it somewhere if it'll help one more person find salvation. One more us. person. Yes. So you can tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. You can write to us, Noah and Bill don't get It at gmail.com, and you can go on Apple Podcasts, give us a review. I am on Twitter, at William Scurry. I am on YouTube, my video content, youtube.com slash amcaesar. And this guy.
0: Yeah, uh, Big Quiz Thing, bigquisting.com, uh, America's premier providers of corporate and private live trivia events. Uh, we're, um, this year's a big year for us. Uh, we're doing a lot of political fundraisers, so we're hoping to get more aggressive with that. You can learn more about that at BigQuizThing.com. Here's the big news. Uh, Partly thanks to my friend here, Bill Scurry, finally it's been long in the works the big quiz things podcast is debuting not long after you hear this it is called the big quiz things daily trivia dosage and it is going to be a very short approximately five minute podcast every weekday every weekday we're going to give you three primo trivia questions from the bqt's legendary trivia bolt vault, bolt i can say it uh 17 years of trivia excellence boiled down into a five minute trivia hit every day and it will be starring me uh so hear my beautiful voice in your ears Every single morning for five minutes. We're gonna start posting that on our social media. Uh, so subscribe. It was already on SoundCloud and iTunes. So you could subscribe now, and uh, I think uh, we're gonna start uh, entertaining your ears uh, very, very soon.
1: That's a seriously uh, easy buy-in. That's a great idea.
0: Yeah, pretty easy buy-in. Yeah, I'm yeah.
1: hoping it's like people walking to
0: work or you know sitting on the subway, what have you. Uh, I I, I kind of got the idea because. There's a syndicated thing in a lot of newspapers, like the Jeopardy trivia question of the day. And my mom's really into that. It's like an old people thing. You know, you just read (laughs) the one little trivia question every day. So my idea is like, all right, how do I make a modern version of that? Okay, I'll have the big quiz
1: thing, you know, mini podcast. Why not? Well, everybody, until next time when 10 total letters between me and Noah, five apiece, accidentally get mailed to the 1980s professional wrestlers that we both loved as much as anything, we will not continue to get it.
0: A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.